Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Whether you're an active investor or own your primary investments in a retirement plan that has investment choices, you can, I think, agree how 2022's anticipated volatility can really get your attention and lead many, unfortunately, to nerve-rattling experiences. High volatility and or a return to the long-term means or averages are all the more reason to focus on long-term trends and your own risk management tolerance and practices. We've all seen the historical trends from the 2008-09 Great Recession, with interest rates since then managed downward by the Federal Reserve and the stock and bond markets marching ever higher with their injections of newly printed money. As we've noted in past podcasts, the trends are your friend until they're not your friend. Consider the following long-term trends that arguably are changing. First of all, the long-term trends in interest rates, in my opinion, have changed in recent months as we've consistently noted they would for the past year or two. Now we are on a new long-term trend that will carry both short and long-term interest rates higher, significantly higher. We are seeing only the first act of a long play on the global stage right now. I say this independently of the Russia-Ukraine war, which will only add to expected volatility. Regardless of this war, I expect the 10-year Treasury note interest rate to continue to climb as the Fed now uses monetary policy and market interventions to push up the short-term interest rates on the yield curve. Long-term interest rates will go up for different reasons, but primarily because of the increasing expectation of high inflation, as we've discussed in many past podcasts. Long-term investors, such as pension funds, insurance companies, bond mutual funds, sovereign wealth funds, and ultra-high-income family offices demand a positive return from investing in long-term government bonds, particularly 20- and 30-year maturity bonds. The historical return is 2 to 3% above the long-term inflation rate. Consider that the official consumer price index for months now has exceeded 5%, and this rate is, for better or for worse, a proxy for official U.S. inflation. Based on an official 5% inflation rate, the 30-year government bond will continue to move up to a yield of 6 to 7% from today's Federal Reserve liquidity-influenced 2.5%. Even if the 30-year bond yield moves up to only 5% or so, those holding long-term bonds will suffer large market value losses. What does this mean to you? First, if you own any long-term bond funds or bonds, their market values will continue to drop and drop ultimately, in my view, by as much as 30 or 40%. If current inflation rates stay in place for several years or an even larger value drop, if inflation rates continue to be embedded in our economy for a longer period of years. Sadly, my view, as listeners know, is that we're experiencing much higher inflation than official government data has recognized, but this government data will be forced to play catch-up as this year progresses. Inflation is now all around us and can no longer be swept under the rug by the Federal Reserve and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 
The 5.9% cost of living adjustment to Social Security this year is one more indicator that government agencies have to reluctantly dial in embedded inflation versus last year's sound bites of transitory inflation. Secondly, high inflation, while already making its way through the pipeline, is exacerbated by the Russia-Ukraine war. For example, wheat and corn exports from the Ukraine have accounted for almost 15% of total global exports around the world. Similarly, the global aerospace industry has counted on the Ukraine as a major supplier of titanium and palladium, as well as steel, nickel, and other metals in high demand. Wheat, nickel, and many other commodities have risen to 10-year highs. Thirdly, this recent war is worth considering from the perspective of economics in finance, in addition to its terrible and globally unacceptable human casualties and Putin's political power grab. Economic and finance thoughts, which are the focal points of our Business Insights podcast, include these. Vladimir Putin, aside from his KGB-cloned ruthlessness, is one of the wealthiest people in the world with long-term access to Western and Chinese advisors. He has likely assessed the impacts of Western sanctions and his country's future supply chain issues well before invading the Ukraine. A lockout from our Western-controlled SWIFT system of global money transfers and dollar-euro-pound-yen access will present serious inconveniences, but ones Russia may mitigate by their own much more limited similar system. The Chinese also have a global transfer system, which is in its initial building stages, but they are operational and they do serve purposes and they can be used for mitigation of cutoffs from the SWIFT system, in my view. And worst case, Russian banks and the central bank can use the old-fashioned telex machines, which everybody pretty much used before the SWIFT system. In brief, Putin likely expected the sanctions and chose to invade regardless. My even greater concern is that Putin has some form of agreement in place with China that can range from new China trade partnerships, read that as oil, since Russia is the number one global producer, and platinum, Russia is the number two producer in the world. Having no inside information, I'll also register my concern that China may well have a willing partner in Russia at the United Nations, as well as in the global markets, to not interfere with a potential China invasion of Taiwan. I only mention these observations to help assess new risks in the 2022 and future marketplace as bond stock debt and jobs markets now have new substantial risks. I'll leave political analyses to others, but the risk of escalations itself is increasing the U.S. inflation and supply chain issues, which continues to augur for long-term U.S. inflation issues. Allow me a minute to get more technical. In finance, standard deviation is a foundational metric for variance, which is equivalent in finance to volatility. For example, if a stock price jumps all over the place, this stock mathematically has a high variance and therefore a high volatility. If a stock price changes very little week to week or month to month as a percent of its own price, then it has a low variance and low volatility. Here's my point. Financial instruments like stocks and bonds do move lower in price as volatility increases, regardless of the reasons for the volatility. We are in this kind of market environment, in my opinion, in which big jumps up and down in prices will cause long-term lower price trends. This involves financial tools which are advanced but well-proven, but I'll stop here. 
Our UCLA Extension Finance and Financial Planning courses offer detailed roadmaps for a more in-depth understanding of the relationships between variance or volatility and price. Essentially, investors are willing to pay less for a company's stock if the stock price volatility substantially increases. This is one perspective on risk management, and it's an important perspective. Your financial objective should be to lower your portfolio volatility, and the traditional way is by asset diversification. But as we've seen in the 08-09 Great Recession, it's possible for most all assets to decline simultaneously, which only increases the need for additional risk management. We'll talk about this point in future podcasts as the water is getting deeper now at too fast a rate for this podcast. Another set of long terms that are changing, in my opinion, relate directly to asset price increases. The bond market change in trend is not new to this podcast. We began explaining the upcoming trend changes well over a year ago. For those who have sold a portion of bond holdings, you now better understand risk management as you've so far avoided significant investment losses over the past year or two. With higher inflation, these losses in bond values will only get larger. So please think about and research the relationships between long-term inflation and long-term bond yields. As interest rates go up, bond prices reflexively go down. And I'll repeat this. Invariably, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. This is not to say the new interest rate increases will go on forever. Most everything is cyclical, and the next downtrend in interest rates will occur, perhaps many years from now, but no one knows, the answer to a when question. In my opinion, the stock market is now in a new bear market trend, and how do I know? Well, I don't know for sure, but I've recognized some clues. Here are a few clues that caught my attention in recent months. First of all, you may recall the day that Facebook, or Meta, if you prefer, dropped $100 a share. To me, that served as a wake-up call that a slower-than-expected growth in the FANG stocks, that's Facebook, Amazon, Google, Netflix, and Apple, will quickly deflate stock prices. Earnings misses and lower-than-anticipated revenue earnings reports were pretty much glossed over during the past decade of the bull market. Now, they get attention, as they should. Number two, a related tip-off is that Large holders of the FANG stocks have been sold down by large institutional holders in very recent months. I followed the large investor changes in appetite as best I can, and this is a serious precursor for a lower stock market. Why do I say this? Past podcasts have shared the fact that FANG stocks plus Microsoft account for about 25% of the major stock indices. And these stocks were a key driver for the many new highs in the stock market averages over recent years. When these stocks return to their long-term trends in terms of annual growth rate, the stock market will almost certainly follow, and the new direction is down, in my view. Number three, last year I introduced you to Kathy Wood, CEO of ARK Investments. Kathy has been a leader in committing to FANG stocks plus Tesla and the high-flying remote work stocks. Before COVID, her flagship fund, ARK Innovation Fund, traded just below $50 a share. During COVID, the price increased five times, peaking at over $150 one year later. Now that price has fallen off of a cliff back to $65 or so a share. This rate of change, both up and down, is sobering, but my view now 
is to note how fast the drivers of a bull market can change course and cause massive losses to investors who ignore trends and cycles. To be clear, her funds investments may well be in companies that continue to prosper into the 2030s and 40s. The question is today's value of those companies given the future risk environment. The long-term trend of a large company stock cannot possibly be 500% a year. We all know that, but no one knows the price of what the stock should be a year from now, and we know no one knows that also. So unsustainable long-term trends are just that, unsustainable. There are always factors that lead to stock market sell-offs as mass psychology in a marketplace that only guesses at long-term prices results in massive swings up and down. It does seem the stock prices drop much faster than they go up, in my view. Number four, despite economic growth weakening as inflation increases and liquidity reducing and profit margins under pressure, analysts on the average continue increasing their earnings estimates. Currently, estimates are for the fourth quarter of 2022, the S&P to be earning $219 a share, according to S&P, up from 207 at the end of 2021. As can be demonstrated, that level will exceed the historical 6% exponential growth trend, which has contained earnings growth for the past 70 years. This is the most significant deviation ever. The only two previous periods that came close were the financial crisis and the dot-com bubble. So these areas were the 08-09 Great Recession and the 2001-2002 dot-com bubble. And we are right now extended higher above those levels than when we went into those two stock market crashes. Number five, the stock market declines so far in 2022 are only a taste of more to come. In the meantime, stocks one day or a week may go up, but over a period of months, the 2022 marketplace has become increasingly dangerous due to the high levels of government debt and debt rollover, plus continued government borrowing, higher inflation, low levels of new full-time job creation, declining confidence by consumers and business, continued supply chain disruptions, surging commodity prices, and now a new war with one traditional adversary and Russia and risks increasing with China over Taiwan. Number six, where will the money go when the money is pulled out of the bond and stock markets by the large investors? This is a really important question as these markets account for over $200 trillion of investments. It's likely the vast majority of these monies will stay in these markets as they represent passive investors, exchange-traded funds, and long-term investors such as I've mentioned before. However, that is of little comfort as it would only take a move of 10 to 15% of these investments to generate a substantial bear market, in my view. Where would this 10 to 15% go? Again, in my view, into real estate, cash holdings, to buy at a later date at a lower price in the stock market, agricultural commodities, precious metals, strategic metals, and so-called alternative investments, which include foreign currency hedges, derivatives, private equity for new startups, and so forth. Over the year 2021, construction of American-based supply chains was often discussed. Now we need to reassess new investments industry by industry to plan for a more secure and predictable future. Unfortunately, 
Politicians are not known for their knowledge or planning skill sets, so it is up to us to each plan our own individual planning and improve our own skill sets. Each one of us, in our own specific jobs or professions, needs to much better understand how the relatively new digital world will impact us this year, next year, and even five years from now. There are millions of jobs looking for workers and primarily in food services, hospitality, and healthcare. At the other extreme, there are millions of prior workers unable or insufficiently skilled to earn what used to be called a middle-class living. We each should strive for happiness and satisfaction in our work, regardless of our job or profession. But digital transformation now underway is generating a small number of highly concentrated positions with serious competition from those who have achieved higher levels of today's skill sets. We've discussed financial market issues in the United States in global terms, but none of us should be a victim of these financial market or job market changes. We can prevail if we manage our risks, financial and professional. I encourage everyone to recognize the financial trends to protect investments and retirement accounts, but also stress that your earnings power this year and in future years is up to you. For me, it's up to me. We need to take some time each week or month to assess what has changed in the past year or two in our professions and how we can each prepare for more and even faster changes. Amazon is disruptive not only to retailing, but the numbers and kinds of retail industry jobs. Netflix and others are totally disrupting and changing where and how much we pay for visual entertainment. Entertainment industry jobs are changing, and they'll continue to change as immersive media technology will threaten those who ignore it. Medical jobs are changing as robotics is in a solid uptrend for surgeries. Education is disrupted as many prefer online-related education versus a fixed classroom schedule with driving, parking time, and financial considerations. Overall, it's really important to know more about risk and change. Ultimately, we need to act on what we're learning. Before our next podcast, be alert, be protective, stay healthy, and above all, practice what you learn. Thank you. Bye. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin, this podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.